welcome to the latest edition of the Progress with Unity podcast. I am absolutely delighted to be joined in the studio today by two very special people in very many different ways. Adam, how are we doing? Oh, fantastic, Simon. The greatest podcast host in Wigan. I'm feeling absolutely fantastic. To, it's really good to be here this evening. Excellent. Great response. Great response. And Barry, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. Thanks. Okay, nice, nice response, short and to the point. Well, should we look back um, to the game against Lincoln City? Tuesday night, Sintel Bank, we succumbed to a 2-1 defeat. Possession favoured Lincoln, and pretty much all the stats favoured Lincoln yesterday. Shots 14 to our 6, on target 5 to our 2, corners 8-1. And there was a flurry of them early in the first half. One yellow card each, Jamie Jones got booked for time-wasting. But one big surprise that was broke... Um, an hour before kickoff was the return of Caldini. What, what a player! And you could tell he made an absolute difference yesterday, didn't he, Barry? Yeah, he did. Yeah, I thought he uh, made a whole heap of difference. Touch class. And I tell you, else made a difference yesterday. And I'm not his biggest fan. Dan Gardner thought he had a half decent game until he ran out of steam. Yeah, it just shows them to be a little bit more experience in the side. It, it just helps the young lads along. Adam, do you think it's a game that's after watching it yesterday, that we could have won. Well, yeah, we could have could have won it. Yeah, I think might might have been a bit bit smash and grab. I think point point probably would have been a fair result. I don't think the stats do the game justice as such. I, I felt at times we had a reasonable control on the game, particularly first half. I, I, don't, I don't know. Again, <laughs> we we got our young team into a very unusual position recently, winning. You know, it's. Uh, I think they, st- they they seemed to as soon as we scored the goal. I don't know. We I don't know whether we went back a yard or two really. I don't. I, or we just maybe it's just coincidence we ran out of steam. But I I, I I didn't think we were as good after we scored, and you thought that would have built, built the confidence really. But nice goal from there, Smith. Nice good pass from Matty Palmer out of defence. Good challenge, and I thought you played really well last night actually. Yeah. yeah, and a bit of luck with the goal for once. Nice deflection. Little rub of the green, which is is something that you know we've not necessarily had. What's your take on the goals that we conceded, Barry? Well, first of all, I thought the free kick. I've heard people uh, describe it as soft, but I thought there were two fouls in there, so justifiable free kick for me. Silly fouls on the edge of the box. You always question your goalkeeper when he gets beat as he's near post, don't you? Whether it's a free kick or a, a shot. And yeah, twice last night he got done at his near post. Maybe being a bit harsh on him with the free kick. Give, I mean, it was a good free kick from Grant. He put it in the postage stamp, as they said. And like, for, did he play for Rochdale? A former Rochdale player? Yeah. I think he, he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's uh, been around a while. Uh, I thought he was very good for them, actually. Very good in midfield. And and, and obviously the, the second goal... The defender, was it Adam Long, allowed him to turn in the box hopper. Uh, he wasn't, I didn't think he was tight enough there, but it's, it's being critical for the sake of being critical. Uh, they had a lot of chances, Lincoln. Adam, yeah. what, what further positives can you take from yesterday's game? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think we are generally, generally looking better at the back. I don't feel, I think they're starting to form a bit of a partnership. Tilt, he's not the greatest on the ball, I wouldn't say, but I think... I think he's, you know, he's leading, he's putting his foot in, he's blocking, um, and I think he's helping the defence through. I thought Tom Tom James had a lot more mature game. 
you know, I know he's a mature player anyway, but he, he, he didn't get forward that much yesterday. And I thought he, he, that, that their danger man was on the left. And I thought him and Palmer did very well on that side of the pitch. Pierce was his usual self. Um, and Joseph just couldn't get him in the game enough. But when he was in there again, very exciting, very exciting to watch. Uh, another positive from, from him. And um, yeah, I think Jamie Jones had another solid game and go. Talking about uh, James, uh, that block on the line, that clearance was fantastic. Absolutely yeah, yeah. superb. Was that when Nesby thought he was playing for them for a minute? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, one, one thing I, we've, we've spoken about Carl Joseph again. It's another 90 minutes gone for him and not and, you know another goal that he's not got. I really want this lad to get a goal to boost his confidence. You know, your first senior goal uh, in, in league football will be a massive confidence boost for him. Do you feel that the, the youngsters are now starting to gel? Do you think we've let them gel and Wigan could go anywhere? Do you think we're getting towards that point? Because you look at the league table and, all right, we're bottom of the league. Let's not get away from the fact. We're not massively adrift. We're perennial slow starters. We come good in the second half of the season. Depends on a lot of things, really. Like it's clear in January, really, I think is the big... I'm sure we're going to turn to that in a moment. But, yeah, I mean, I, I would say the last two games, Bristol Rovers and Lincoln, you, you could take enough positives out of those games in my view to uh, to say that we are improving um, in different because we played a much better side than Bristol Rovers last night and it was a relatively even game wasn't it so I think we're getting there but I think we need to get there before the gap becomes too big that's the that's the that's the issue can can we pick up some points before Christmas well, honestly enough Lincoln City's only home defeat was to Bristol Rovers. Yeah. So, so they, you know, we, we said that. But I was quite happy on Saturday because we kept a clean sheet and I was made up with that against Bristol Rovers. Uh, oh, sorry, last week. Um, oh, Saturday, we didn't lose Saturday. No, no. So that was two <laughs> clean sheets we had. Yeah, I was hoping for another one last night and for a while it looked like it, didn't it? I mean, we, we, we frustrated them and we defended quite well. Uh, as for the lads uh, becoming, I don't know. They're still they're still crying out for a little bit of quality in the team. And like Naismith brought it last night, I thought, and he, he was a great outlet for them. He was excellent on the ball, uh, and and that sort of gives confidence to the other players then to look for him, which we were doing quite regularly, weren't we? Looking for Naismith, and he was he he was floating about a bit, didn't he? He was up through the middle, then he was he was out on the right. Uh, I don't think he went on the left at all, but he was forcing about a bit. One, one interesting point to note that Jamie Jones was uh, had the captain's armband into yesterday. Is it important, Adam? Do you feel that who the captain is? Not, not really. Generally speaking, I don't think it. I, I think at certain times it can be. I, I do think that a captain's knot was definitely played by Sam Morsey in a very, very difficult circumstance last season. I think I think he was a superb captain. But I think at the moment, it's probably the elder statesman's going to get the captaincy of uh, of Wigan. I mean, I, I've been behind the goal and he does, he does talk through the game. So, you know, he's probably played, well, not as many as Naismith, but he'd be the next one behind him, wouldn't he? Um, Naismith's first game back. I mean, he could be a captain, Naismith, by example, couldn't he? But maybe he's just not that sort of person who wants to be a captain. 
So I don't, I don't think it's that important, to be honest. Well, you've got the likes of Curtis Tiltlow, haven't you? Um, who he could be, because it's not, you normally have one of your, when his central players tend to wear the armband, don't they? Um, he's one player, though, isn't he? He's on loan, isn't he, Tilty? Yeah. He's on, we had James Skipper in the side earlier in the season, didn't we? Uh, yeah, I think we ran out of players. <laughs> I think it was, him, it was him and the 14-year-olds, wasn't it? I think. <laughs> yeah, was it a Tramia? It was, wasn't it? Yeah. Tramia game at Skipper. Does. There's Evans as well. Evans was the vice-captain, weren't he, to, uh, yeah, to Garner. So maybe he'll pick that role up. I think it's important to have a club captain. You know, like Boise was a good club captain. Uh, like Sam Marcy was a good club captain as well. And we've had him for Matt Jackson's yeah, been. I think, I think when Cook made Marcy captain, did he not say that it was a 50 50 because Dan, Dan Byrne could have done it because his role off the pitch? And talking to what, if you remember last week, talking to Kieran, he was saying that. Dan Burns a very popular player in the dressing room, so they don't always have to be on the pitch every week, do they? You know the, um, you know some sometimes you, it's what they do behind the scenes. Why is he popular in the dressing room? Does he go around? Does he give him a, a, a towel dry and a bit of salt? Uh, I think someone said he's one of the longest in the shower. Before before we move on, because we're, we're digressing about uh, you know things that we uh, we shouldn't be digressing about. Uh, interesting tonight. That's now we're out of lockdown. That some football league clubs uh, currently are playing are allowed to have fans back into the grounds. I know Shrewsbury, Luton, teams like that have, have Carlisle. got Carlisle. Yeah, they've got uh, fans into the ground. A massive, massive step forward. On another day where we've had positive news with regards to the vaccine and that vaccinations are going to start to be rolled out in the coming weeks. It's a massive step towards normality, and for for us as football fans, it's a massive step to get towards getting us back into the grounds. I I just say, and probably on part of us all, is let's help, let's all do our bit to get our tier level down, uh, so that we can hopefully benefit from that as well. Uh, is it for what you just said, though? I mean, it's brilliant, and the other but is it for that? You know, should it be all or none? Should all, you know? If, if if there's clubs who can't have fans in, then because they're being punished in a way, I suppose not you... not financially, because they do get onto the referee, they do get onto the line or the the supporters, the do... players on, and you know, and it's particularly in a if it's a dark bit of a dark time and you, you need to get get behind them, it can it can lift them, can't it? You know, the, the times. Uh, it's it's one of those as well, isn't it? You know, like just just seeing the Shrews game, then there's no way fans is there. So everything is home, but there's, there's no singing. There's no. There's nothing. This, that, and the other. Is there no singing because they're not singing Shrewsbury, or is it not allowed? <laughs> not allowed by all accounts. But what I know, I know what you're saying. But we've, we've not, got. I didn't know that. Is it not allowed? <laughs> no, it is. It is allowed. I thought it was now. See, I thought it wasn't. I'm, I'm sure it, I... You should not sing at a football match, but if uh, but you must sing if you're at a football match. I don't know what the guidance is like on, on that level. So it's it's interesting though, because I, I was watching a bit of Sky Sports News earlier on today and they were saying that it's great having the fans back in, but the financial impact is uh, is still going to be quite hard for the clubs. Well, they've already, I think a lot of them have already taken the money, haven't they? So it, it's kind of like, well, season ticket money's already gone in there uh, for a lot of clubs, I believe. So it's not financial. It's, it's one step towards 
a very small step towards getting back to normality. So I think it depends whether you, you, you're prepared to accept the injustice for the end goal. Well, and the government have said, you know, hopefully this tier system will be in place till till March at the earliest. Hopefully we may get the tail end of the season where we can have the DW packed to the rafters, 10,000 of us in, uh, seeing us stay up uh, and going on from there. But it's, a pro- it's progress and we need progress with unity at the end of the day. Just thinking then, just on that point though, it is the look, it's going to be luck of the draw, isn't it? But you could end up being a club. So you're playing... Let's say a lot of your away games are against sort of clubs in the Greater Manchester, Lancashire areas in the next couple of weeks. But you're a, you're in a tier two. You know you could have all your home fans there for your home, obviously, and then still be playing in front of empty stadiums. Which I've not seen the stats, but I would be amazed. You know, this since since coming back, if away wins weren't much higher percentage-wise than they would ordinarily be because that's just my eye. I haven't done a data analysis, but it looks like there's more away wins than there's ever been. There is at the DW. <laughs> yeah, we hardly lost on the cock at all, did we? <laughs> Speaking of the uh, DW, Barry, um, do you have any update on the takeover? Have you got any reports to review? Ooh, there's been a there's been a quite a bit of action this afternoon. Um on the old Twitter, uh, Alan Nixon has tweeted something, and, and Paul Kendrick's been tweeting as well. Nick, I'll just read out what Nixon says. Uh, Latics are running out of time to close the deal to come out of an administration, while Garrido Cristo supplies more information about his business empire to pass the owners and directors test. So he's having a bit of problems getting through it. And apparently, he's, he's putting up about a million pounds uh, from his group, Elos. Capital. So he's only sticking a million quid in, uh, and apparently he's he's been he's mortgaged three of his properties to help finance it. Now that strikes a little bit of fear in me. If to make it, you know, to make the one million pound, he's having to mortgage properties. Uh, what's going to happen, you know, in in a year's time when we need a little bit of funding going into the club? So that that is a, that is a, a, a bit of a. A worry. Nixon also says that the Wigan administrators have set a third deadline for Friday or they will end their period of exclusive, exclusivity and listen to other offers. Now, there was a bit of a rumour last week that the EFL had been in touch with the administrators and told them, in their opinion, it would be prudent if they started to look at other bids. Uh, maybe this is what, you know, it's all coming to a head. I've also heard today that something should happen before the weekend, one way or another. So it's it's decision week, this. Paul Kendricks tweeted something that Lisa Hernandez said to him. She said, I understand the EFL are still working their way around the information provided by the Spanish bid. And in my view, that is absolutely right, given the experience of clubs like Bury. We do not want to be in a situation like this in a year's time so I think they're wise words that you know the EFL are taking the time but from what I can gather for once they're doing the right thing and they're working in our favour and they're making sure uh, that evidence is there you know for the, for this these financials stuff that's going on but again Paul Kendrick has, has tweeted the other two bidders and he's put a, a, some minds at rest he said that both 
the other the other bidders want the whole lot, club and stadium, not just one or the other. They would step in if the Spanish were not back before the supporters club got involved. So the supporters club is on the back burner as a rescue option if everything else fails. And would be much easier for admins to sell together rather than individual. So there's a lot of people worrying about somebody stepping in and, and buying, buying the ground. Obviously, for, for the rugby, for, for Lennigan, that's the big talk. We might as well name them both the Ray Ranson Strokes, Aaron Royal Stoke, Jonathan Rowland Bid, and uh, the Peter Fram- Peter Frampton. He, he had an album out in the 70s, didn't he, Peter Frampton? Frampton comes yeah, alive. Tony Frampton and his mate, Mr. Jeffries, they, they, they want the lot. They want everything that we're selling, that we've got they left. Wigan, which, they want to buy Wigan, don't they? The town as well. Yeah, they, they, Wigan Borough, I believe. Not just Wigan Town, Wigan Borough. I don't right. know whether Lathers will react to that. I mean, last week I was ready for, I'll myself openly admit it, I was ready for, for doing a one-man protest sitting in the President's Lounge and chin off to a chair and let's have some answers but we shall not be moved words and years just said give it a week give it a week because things are coming to a head so things are coming yeah. to a head so let's see what happens this week and if it doesn't you know then then it then we'll have to we'll have to move we'll have to do something positive well there's our weekly update uh, week 700 of this takeover uh, situation uh, can I just put one thing what I no. We did everything between what's happened today. Just a quick, quick one, this, honestly. Um, I think finally that sort of uh, stalemate's been broken. And I think it's been broken by the administrators under pressure in the sense that, you know, they, they need to open it up to the other bidders, you know, the other bidders in the background. The other thing that wouldn't surprise me is if somehow they've come to an understanding on this uh, additional costings, costs in administration with the potential new uh, bidders uh, who have come in and they will pay that a little bit extra to cover those costs. Um, so I think for someone, either the new, the potential bidders or the administrators have broken the stalemate and I'd be very surprised uh, if by Friday the Spanish are not either out of the equation or at least only on a par with the others. That's, that's where I think we're going to be uh, on Friday. The Spanish are also talking about, this is coming through Paul Kendrick again, talking about suing as well, if they don't, if, if, if the exclusivity ends. Yeah, well, that, that, that would presumably, might be the, the fallback for the um, additional cost that it might cost for the new new owners to come in. Because the administrators, you can tell, they're not going to want to lose any money, are they? No, oh, definitely not. Definitely. <laughs> Right then, we could we could make podcasts upon podcasts about this takeover, but let's let's move on. Um, we play the Mackhams on Saturday at the Stadium of Light, revisiting some old friends in the shape of Max Power, Captain, and Will Grigg. We've got before we go anywhere. Um, Adam asks Adam. Yeah, got a got an interesting one this this evening. Covers all different topics, and it's uh, Graham. Delighted that Parkinson's gone, but just not the main problem. I suppose it's a big problem being turgid. We don't really suit the formation. We're slow. Never really look like killing off a game. But getting rid of Parkinson is not going to change the entire landscape of our season. Far from it. Problems stem 
from a long, long time ago. It's in the boardroom. We played Burton tonight as, as we speak, and it was a Parkinson performance tonight, slow and, and ponderous. Um, but at the moment, we, we don't have a manager. We don't have a chairman. We don't have a under-18s manager. don't have anything, pretty much. I'm, I'm not that excited. I'm, I'm not excited by Danny Cowley. I think he plays similar level to Parkinson. He's basically like a, a hipster Phil Parkinson, if you prefer. Um, I'm not all that enamored by Paul Cook. And unfortunately, at the minute, the way I'm feeling, it's it's not good. I'm not I'm not feeling too too happy about our chances for the season and who the manager's going to be. But you know, fingers crossed, I'm I'm proven wrong. He will score goals. He will score just more and more. He will score goals. He will score them all. He will score goals. We will score just more and more. He will score goals. He will score them all. Uh. Greg conundrum. <laughs> um, his first home game, he missed Norton goal, which was probably a sign of the times. And it's just ne- it's just never kicked on for him. Uh, there's been times when we thought maybe it, it would work out. Um, certainly not last season. Uh, he only got one goal through the entire season, didn't score any in the league. We don't really play to his strengths. Um, Parkinson certainly hasn't, but... When he when he has had chances, he's he's missed them and they've been glaring misses. I think the expectation of what Will Grigg was was far different, and maybe a new manager will get the best out of him. Maybe Paul Cook could be someone that could come in and, and get the best out of him. I, I don't know, but it just feels like it's never going to work for Will Grigg. As for Max Power, you, you're speaking to someone who's not a big fan of Max Power. He he really flatters to deceive. He scored tonight uh, with his new. Shiny sort of bald haircut. Um, the thing with the thing with Max, the frustration for me would be the fact that you can see that he has so much more in his locker than he actually produces. So it's not so much that I don't rate him; it's maybe the fact that I rate him too highly, and he's he's again a bit slow and a bit ponderous. And but I wouldn't write him off completely just yet because I, I think he he's done it before, so obviously he's got something somewhere. Um, but the longer his time at, at Sunderland drags on, much like Will Gregg, it just feels like it's been a total failure, unfortunately. There's not anyone I would say has been outstanding. Uh, if you look through the team, the midfield's been pretty poor, but Ledbet has probably been the standout. Uh, he's really looked like the experienced head in the middle of the park. He scored three goals, I think, two of them being penalties, one of them being an absolute screamer down Doncaster last year, but he's... He showed a lot of maturity. His passing's been pretty spot on. He's got a bit of an eye for goal back like he used to in his first spell. And he's he's really sort of, um, I would say, led by example this season and maybe the way we expected Grant to be. And I don't think anyone's more delighted than Sunderland fans to see Ledbetter doing as well as he has. It's just such a shame that the rest of his teammates have actually probably not come anywhere near his level of performance this season. Um, and I've been at Wigan a few times and never seen us lose and really enjoyed my time every time I've gone down there because we've always took at least four or five thousand, which is it's always great. And, you know, the last time I think I went there, we won 4-1 and it was in the Martin O'Neill era. But 
if I'm completely honest with you, that the game that really stands out when I think of games versus Wigan for me in terms of the most memorable for me personally, it would be the the four two win that we had against you when Steve Bruce was manager. We were, I think, six going into January. We'd had the best part of I think it was twelve games of that win, and I think about eight or nine of them were defeats. So we'd we'd done like a Steve Bruce nosedive, which I'm sure you guys remember exactly what that feels like after um December. Um and it was when Jordan Henderson was playing for us. I think Diarme scored first for yourselves. And then we got like all of our strikers injured. I think Welbeck and Asimov Jan both got injured. But as it was, we put Jordan Henderson up front and Stefan Sessignon and, and we ended up scoring three goals. I think Henderson got two of them. Um Sessignon got another one from a penalty and it was just one of those bizarre days where everything that went wrong kind of did, but somehow things worked out absolutely perfectly. And I do remember the night I was living in Gator at the time and I was living in Glasgow. I went back home with, with my friend Tom, who also um, does a podcast called Wise Men Say, with, uh, which is a Sunland podcast. And it was uh, it was Eurovision night. And I remember we all got drunk on, I think it was Perlenbacher, or maybe it was that drink from Poland, Lech Poznan. Um, and we all guessed how many points each country would give um, would would give the United Kingdom, which was sort of nil poir, but it was a it was a good day in all, and that is the that is my memory of of Wigan games, which is probably it's probably been a few I could have chosen from, but that one's the one that sticks out for the reasons I've stated, I guess. I, I know we're playing a team that's bottom of the league, and you've got a lot of your own issues at the moment, but I honestly don't see us winning. I don't see us losing. Um, with a lot of games this season, we've had tons of possession. And as I said before, being slow and, and ponderous, do I see that changing even if a new manager comes in on, say, Wednesday or Thursday? A couple of days to work with them? Probably not. If there's a change in formation, maybe that that might make a difference. We changed formation tonight um, towards the end. We went from the three at the back to the four at the back and then Max Power scored. Um, I hope it'd be pro- proven wrong, but I think the way things are at Sunderland at the moment, mixed in with the fact that even with a new manager bounce, there's not going to be any fans in the stadium to sort of lift the atmosphere. Uh, I think a draw, we've drew our last three games 1-1. We might change it up a little bit, and I think it might be a nil-nil with a, a relatively solid performance from your boys at the back and a slow and ponderous performance from ourselves with Will Grigg missing a set of late on. Um, but I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Him on Paul Cook not being a good choice as uh, manager, I think he would be an excellent choice as Sunderland manager. He's got a proven track record, and I bet he gets Will Grigg scoring some goals again, and Max Power carrying a flair when he's winning, lifting the league title. So uh, I don't know what you Sunderland fans think you're going to get, but I don't think Paul Cook's a bad would be a bad choice for you. Pretty much agree with everything else you've said, though. And that's uh, that was Graham from What the Falk Pod. And Adam, I think you're recording with them after this podcast today, aren't you? Yeah, and I'm going to raise the same points for them. I'm not just someone who's hiding behind a screen. I'm going to say, how the hell? Why would you say that to my mate Paul Cook? Uh, previously, we've played Sunderland 21 times, won seven, drawn seven, and lost seven. So those stats are going to go at the weekend. Um, referee is Trevor Kettle. You know, I hope he brings the game to a boil nicely. He's refereed 11 games, issued 30 yellows and two reds. He's been around years, anti Barry? He has, yeah. He's, uh, he's, 
been a referee for uh, since 2002, three season. Uh, I think we've had him a couple of times during the years. He's not got a good reputation. <laughs> In fact, there's a there's a change.org uh, petition to get him thrown out, <laughs> going around with the whole world. That's how good he is. Uh, he's a former RAF lieutenant uh, and he's a CEO of uh, uh, an engineering company doing defence contracts around as well. Um, yeah, so we used to have a player called Kettle, Ryan Kettle. Yeah, he, he weren't my cup of tea. He weren't my cup of tea. Oh, he used to steam into tackle zone, didn't he? Oh, come on. Yeah, when it, when it, after the whistle. Right, predictions, Adam? Uh, I don't think we're playing at a bad time, to be honest. I'm just hoping they haven't appointed, because we've seen that before. If you remember Southampton, we'd have battered them and Mark Hughes came in two days before the match. Let's see, if they don't appoint, uh, we'll win this game. Our youngsters will love playing in front of an eighty, uh, sorry, an empty 48,000 stadium. I think we'll win it. Um, like we did nine years ago, ten, nine years ago, we'll win it 2-1. When, uh, was that the end of Steve Bruce's reign? It was, yeah. And they were singing, they were singing some nasty songs about Steve Bruce's head. Hmm. I, I was there that day. It was a, a great yeah. day. As, as I was as well. Great day. Uh, Frank Did you watch the Eurovision, Eurovision Song Contest when you got home? Uh, I did, yeah. It was uh, it's best best time. Although it was November, December time, so uh, I was watching uh, Strictly instead. Uh, I I um I can see us nicking a win. Caldini back in, Evans maybe back fit and in the squad. I'm going to go for a one nil win, Jeff. Barry. Um, well, it's, I mean, listening to what what Graham says there, they got a lot of problems. Sound a bit like us, really, didn't they? No manager, no owner. Yeah, no, no reserve team manager, no youth team manager. At least we've got a youth team. We've got a youth team manager. We're one up on them there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they've got Will Grigg, and 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 listening to say he doesn't rate Will Grigg, and Will Grigg's not very good. They've got a clue how to play that lad. So uh, it's the, the loss. Yes, we'll bring him on. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. You know, I'd settle for a draw. I really would. Um, I'd settle for another goalless draw. But I'm not going to settle for that. I'm going to go for a 2 0 Latics win. Well, let's why, see. why settle when they've got the kettle? Exactly. That's, that's what I was thinking. Let, let's just see, Barry, if you're this bold at 2 o'clock on Saturday in the Predictions League. Well, I just might be. Well, we'll, we'll come back to that. Right, so that's Sunderland boxed off. Um, Anyone got anything they'd like to bring to the table before we uh, wrap up tonight's short but sweet podcast? Yes, on Sunday there's uh, uh, a good pod. We've got a good special coming out, haven't we? Yeah, uh, which I wasn't involved in. Yeah, well, no. was, um, <clears throat> Adam and I had the uh, the pleasure of interviewing uh, a Latics legend, Pat McGibbon, on uh, a couple of weeks ago now. Uh, talking about his, his time at Latics, Man United, and the great charity work that he is doing over in Ireland. Should we have a quick listen to a quick clip? Oh, look, I mean, it, it was terrific, to, you know, just the build-up to it. Um, it was something that, again, I always dreamed of doing, is, you know, to, to actually play at Wembley was 
it was it was terrific. And the old Wembley, you know, as much as I see the new Wembley and the, the, the amount of people that it can hold, there was still a lot of nostalgia with old Wembley and me growing up watching FA Cup finals and that. So the the whole build up was terrific. But again, once we got into the game, um, you know, as a footballer you just have to concentrate on the game. It wasn't it wasn't a particularly good game, I'm sure you, everybody would say that, but that was that wasn't important. What was important was when Paul Rogers and and Dodger will say himself he wasn't renowned for goals, but um, you know, when he stepped up in the final minutes to, to score that it was just a, a terrific feeling, you know, and afterwards was so you can hear that uh, full podcast, which will be out on Sunday at some point. Really good interview. Pleasure talking to him, wasn't it, Adam? Oh, brilliant, yeah. Really, really nice guy. Um, building on the, really enjoyed the Heskey and the Little ones as well. You know, just, not that it's legends on the pitch, but great guys off the pitch as well. You know, really interesting to talk to. And, you know, you can see that the, you know, the love that they have for, uh, Wigan Athletic. So yeah, um, you know, strongly advise people to to what uh, to listen to that and check out the charity as well. Um, we'll uh, without giving them the names away. We've recorded today, haven't we, with two fantastic people, and and that's that's it's a good podcast for all ages. That one, won't it? Uh, it covers a wide wide range. Got uh, a podcast um, due to be recorded with one of arguably best players to ever play for Wigan Athletic as well, haven't we? That's all to come. Um, but it's a good night from me. It's a good night from me. Up the ticks.